Well, good morning and welcome to Genesis. If you're new or visiting, my name's Jerry. I am the campus pastor here and we're glad to have you with us today. This year as a church family, we've been going through the gospel of John from beginning to end. And today we find ourselves in John 17. And John 17 begins with these words. When Jesus had finished saying all these things, he looked up to heaven and said, Father, the time has come. Reveal the glory of your son so that he can give the glory back to you. For you have given him authority over every man and woman in all the earth. He gives eternal life to each one you have given him. And this is the way to have eternal life, by knowing you, the only true God in Jesus Christ, the one that you sent. I brought glory to you here on earth by doing everything you gave me to do. And now, Father, reveal my glory as I stand in your presence, the glory we shared before the world began. My prayer is not for the world but for those that you have given me because they belong to you. Holy Father, keep them in your care. I have given them your words and the world hates them because they don't fit in with it just as I don't. And I'm not asking that you take them out of the world, but to keep them safe from Satan's power. They're not part of this world any more than I am. Make them pure and holy through, the te- through teaching them your words of truth. As you sent me into the world, I'm sending them into the world. I'm not praying for for these alone, but also for the future believers who will come to me because of the testimony of these. My prayer for all of them is that they will be of one heart and mind, just as you are, just as you and I are, Father. That just as you are in me and I am in you, so they will be in us and the world will believe that you sent me. Oh, righteous Father, the world doesn't know you, but I do. And these disciples know you sent me. And I have revealed you to them and will keep on revealing you so that the mighty love you have for me may be in them and I in them. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the gift of your word. I am thankful that John captured those words from Jesus. They are so powerful. And so we've read your word. Holy Spirit, we pray that you would bring the word of God alive to us this morning. Would you, would you help us to hear and to see what you have for us today? Help us to learn, help us to grow. But as we leave here later, would you help us to leave with clarity about who you are, about why you've sent your son and, and, what, and the mission that you have for us. So we give this time to you right now. We pray that you would use it to make us more like Jesus. It's in his name we pray, amen. So have you ever had one of those days, I'm sure you have, about, I don't know, 2, 2.30 in the afternoon where your brain just turns to mush? It's that time of the day where you're like, do I drink coffee? Do I want to be up all night? What do I do right now? I had one of those days a week, about a week and a half ago. I was sitting at my desk and I, I couldn't think of anything. I was trying so hard to work and I felt like God nudged me and said, hey, why don't you go on a walk? Let's, let's talk. I, he, was, he was calling me to come and pray and I was like, ah. I, I, I ignored it at first, but then I thought, no, I think I need to go and pray. I think God's calling me to go pray with him. So I walked out the doors. I walked down to the Monon. And the whole time I was walking down there, I was like, okay, God, here I am. Like, what do you, what do you want to say to me? And have you ever had one of those times when you prayed and it just seemed like there was nothing? Like nothing made sense. I'm listening, but I can't, if you're talking, I can't hear you right now. Well, that's what was happening to me at 2.30 in the afternoon. And I set foot on the Monon Trail. And the moment I set foot on the trail, there's a lady about 15 yards in front of me. And it became very apparent to me almost immediately that she was either walking and praying or listening to worship music. She had her hands out like this. She was looking up into the sky, very demonstrative. And I was like, really, God, you brought me all the way down here to show me this lady. Like, this is really humbling. 
Like, I'm not like, that's just not me. Especially right now, my brain is mush. Like, why are you doing this to me? I was so frustrated. I was getting ready to turn around. And about the moment I turned around, the lady turned around and started walking towards me. And I was like, okay, just as long as I'm going one way and she's going the other. I was just frustrated. Then as she came past me, I realized she was not praying and she wasn't listening to worship music. She's talking on her phone, on her earpods. She's just being demonstrative, right? And I was like, oh, lady, you should be praying right now. I'm so much better than you, right? Prayer, prayer is such a funny thing, right? Like some of us pray, we're very demonstrative. Some of us pray publicly. Some of us pray pu- privately. Some of us pray out loud. Some of us pray silently. Some of us are like, man, I don't even know how prayer works, right? But here's the thing. When we pray, we believe that there's someone on the other end that hears us. And today, as we continue in our study through the Gospel of John, we're going to be in John chapter 17, and we're going to read a prayer. We're going to study a prayer that Jesus himself prayed. So if you have a Bible and you want to follow along, I'm going to encourage you to turn to John 17. And if you don't know much about Jesus and his life, here's something that I want to encourage you with. If you didn't know this already, I don't think this will surprise you. Jesus prayed a lot. Jesus prayed often. In fact, in the Gospel of Luke, this is how Luke summarizes Jesus' prayer life. Jesus often withdrew to lonely places and prayed. Luke said, if you want to know what Jesus was like, this is what he did. And what was crazy is when Jesus would pray, the busier his life got, the more chaotic his ministry got, the bigger the crowds grew. After performing miracles, you know what Jesus would do? He wouldn't slip away to take a nap or go to an after party. He would go And he would pray. That's just how he did what he did. And in Luke chapter 6, we learn that at one point in time, Jesus went away and prayed all night long the night before he chose his 12 disciples. I've never prayed all night long. The only thing I've prayed for all night long is, God, will you help me to fall back asleep so I can get more sleep, right? That's the closest I've ever come. But this is, Jesus modeled a life of prayer for us. And so today, we're going to look at this prayer that he prayed. And here's what's fascinating. Really interesting and unique. We don't just know that he prayed. We know what he prayed. We know who he prayed for. And maybe what's most interesting is when he prayed. Now, back in August, we picked up our study of the Gospel of John. And for the last several weeks, we have been working our way through John 13, 14, 15, and 16. We've been saying this every week. This is one very long conversation that spread over several hours in one evening. It started off in one place, and they kept moving and kept moving. But if you read it in your Bible and you've got the red, red letters, there's, it's just Jesus talking a lot, several hours of conversation. And it was a heavy conversation because in this conversation, Jesus, after washing his disciples' feet, said, I just want you to know one of you guys is going to betray me. And they had to process that information. And then after saying that, I said, hey, I want you to know I'm getting ready to go away and you can't come with me. And they had to process that information. And then Jesus said, hey, I just want you to know the world has hated me and they're going to hate you. And it's going to be really difficult when you try to live out your faith in me. And they had to process that information. And, And if this was meant to be a pep talk for his disciples, this final conversation they were having, it seems like a pretty lousy pep talk because it felt like bad news. But here's the thing, it wasn't all bad news. Because we also learned a few weeks ago, Jesus said, hey, I want you to know when I leave, the Holy Spirit, the unlimited divine spirit of God is going to come and live inside of you. And he is going to teach you how to persevere in this life. He's going to give you everything that you need. You do not have to be worried. You do not have to be afraid. And then I want you to hear how Jesus wrapped up this long conversation that spanned over four chapters now. This is the last words of this conversation. In John 16, 13, Jesus says this. This is his summary. I've told you these things 
so that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble, but take heart, I've overcome the world. That's how he ends this several hour long conversation. And then he moves right into chapter 17. And this is what we read. After Jesus said this, he looked up towards heaven and he prayed. So the picture isn't, hey guys, let's gather up. I want to pray now. He tells them these things, he wraps it up, and he just launches into a prayer because I guess that's just what Jesus, it's just what he did. And so we're going to study through this prayer today, and here's what we're going to see. He prays for three different groups of people. He prays specific things for each one of them. But before we get to any of that, I want us to stop and to see how he began this prayer because how he begins this prayer is really important. This is what he says. Father. Not to whom it may concern, not to the big guy upstairs, not even to generic God. He prays the word Father. Now, when you think of the word Father, what do you think of? You think of a relationship, you think of an intimacy there. And so, first, I just want to stop and say maybe we need to be reminded today that when we pray, we're not praying to a distant cosmic being out there somewhere, maybe. Jesus says, when you pray, you can pray to the creator of the universe as your heavenly father. He modeled that for us. And so maybe we need to be reminded of this today, but look at what he prays next. Father, the hour has come. Now, this is a theme that's carried all throughout the gospel of John. It's been mentioned several times up to this point, except up to this point, it's always been, my time has not yet come. The time is not yet here, or the time is growing close. But now Jesus prays, Father, the hour has come. Jesus understood what was getting ready to happen in a few short hours. He knew that it wouldn't be long before he was going to be arrested and soon crucified. Father, the hour has come. I mean, essentially he's saying, Father, I want you to do whatever you want to do with my life. It's, it's time. Let your will be done. But that's not all. He says, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your son. He starts to talk about himself in the third person, which is a little weird, but he says, Father, glorify your son. Now we've all prayed for lots of things in our life. But by show of hands, has anyone said, hey, God, would you glorify me today? Right? I hear nervous chuckles, right? It's like, oh, that's a little cringy. Who would ever pray for that? I believe if there's a prayer filter in heaven, God can filter all of our stuff out. He knows, hey, I know everybody wants a little piece of glory. We all want to stand out at school and at home and at work. Social media is all about our personal glory, right? But we would never pray for it. Jesus, that's embarrassing. That's a little selfish. Why would you pray that God would glorify you? Well, listen to what he says. He says, Father, glorify your son so that the son can glorify you. He doesn't pray, hey, Father, would you glorify me so everybody would know how great I am? He says, Father, I want you to be glorified through me. There's a big difference there. So again, we're learning about different ways to pray, different ways to approach God as our father. But Jesus goes on to explain why he wants to be glorified. Verse two, he says, for you granted me authority over all people that I might give eternal life to all those that you have given me. Now this is eternal life that they know you, the only true God in Jesus Christ whom you have sent. So when Jesus prays, Father, would you glorify me? He's saying, would you be glorified in my obedience to you? Because through Jesus's obedience, eternal life was gonna be made known. And you know what the good news behind that is? That means sinners just like me and you would have access to eternal life through our faith in Jesus and his death on the cross. Jesus continues to pray in verse four, 
I've brought you glory on the earth by finishing the work that you gave me to do. I think Jesus realized that his lifelong pursuit, his connection with his heavenly father, it was all coming to fruition. He knew that he was in the process of fulfilling this very important task that only he could accomplish when he would die on the cross to pay for our sins. But here's what's crazy. In a few hours when he's crucified, the humans that would see him, they would see him and they would assume he was being humiliated because the cross was a sign of humiliation. It was a sign of defeat. It was the most painful way you could ever die. But that's not the way Jesus saw it. He knew he was anticipating the suffering, but he wasn't focused on the suffering. He was focusing on the fact that his father would be glorified through his obedience, that eternal life would be made available to people like me and you. Jesus prays this. Listen to these words. And now, Father, glorify me in your presence with the glory that I had with you before the world began. What's he talking about? What is Jesus talking about here? I think Jesus, as he's praying, Father, glorify me, be glorified in my obedience. I think he's also reflecting on his true identity as the eternal son of God. Now, if you go all the way back to John chapter one, the way that John introduces us to Jesus, he says, in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. He was with God in the beginning. So he says, basically the word and Jesus, those are interchangeable. He says, Jesus has always existed. He created everything. And then in John 1, 14, he says, the word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. In other words, Jesus, the eternal son of God, entered into the humanity that he had created as a human so that he could take on the punishment of sin and death for us. And now here in this prayer that Jesus is praying, what he doesn't pray is, Father, the time has come. Get me out of here. This is going to be really hard. He says, no, Father, I'm excited. I want you to be glorified through my obedience, and I'm excited to get to return to my previous glory, the eternal glory that I had with you before the world began. So Jesus prays this, begins this prayer praying for himself, praying that his father would be glorified through his obedience, acknowledging that he's got future glory that's coming. But here's a question that I want us to think about real quick. What can we learn about the way Jesus is praying for himself? Like what is an application that we can make for ourselves here today? Is there anything we can learn? Well, I think there's several things that we can learn, but I like how Charles Spurgeon gives a simple answer to that question. When we pray, our motives should be just like Christ's motives. We can pray to God as our heavenly father, but Spurgeon says, it's not wrong to pray for God's blessing in our lives, but just like Jesus, we should pray that God would be glorified through the circumstances of our life. And Spurgeon goes on to give a couple of examples. He says, for example, when you pray for health, we should pray that in our revived health, we would have more time to spend with God so that God could be glorified in our life. When we pray for things like advancement, we should desire that God's glory would be promoted above ours. I'm reading a really fascinating book about the life of Mother Teresa. And one of the quotes in there, it's come up a couple of times. Mother Teresa says, if Jesus puts you in the palace, be all for Jesus in the palace. But if he takes your life and cuts it up into 20 different pieces, all those pieces belong to him. In other words, no matter what you do, you should always bring glory to God. 
Mother Teresa knew that. This is what Jesus was praying now. And so if you want to know what can we learn from the way Jesus prayed for himself, first of all, we can pray to God as our Heavenly Father. He's not far away. He's close. He's intimate. But we should pray that he would be glorified in all the circumstances of our life. The ones that like feel really good and the ones that are terrifying. God can be glorified in all of it. So Jesus begins by praying for himself. And then he turns the corner and he begins to pray for another group of people. Listen to who he prays for. Verse six, I have revealed you to those whom you gave to me out of the world. They were yours. You gave them to me and they have obeyed your word. Now they know that everything you have given me comes from you. Verse eight, for I gave them the words you gave me and they accepted them. They knew with certainty that I came from you and they have believed that you have sent me. So after praying for himself, Jesus begins praying for his existing disciples. And I think this is pretty interesting, the way he prays for them as if they are God's gift to him. He says, Father, you gave them to me. You can almost hear the joy in his voice. And he's not only that, he says, Father, they have learned to obey your word. Your word has revealed to them that I am your Messiah. And that now they know that you have sent me. He keeps on praying in verse nine. I pray for them. I'm not praying for the world, but for those you have given me, for they are yours. I like how Jesus just takes the time out and says, hey, Father, I just wanna be real clear who I'm praying about right now. I'm praying for my followers. I'm not praying for everybody everywhere. Now, does Jesus love the world? Well, of course he does. John three sixteen said, for God so loved the world. But in this particular prayer, Jesus says, I wanna be real clear. I'm praying for the ones that you've given me. I'm praying for the ones that follow me. So why would he make this distinction? Well, I think Jesus knows something. Well, you know this too, right? The word of God tends to divide the world into two different groups of people. And I like how Charles Swindoll says this. He says it, it, it divides people into people that heed God's word and people that hate God's word. I mean, that's really the two camps. And so Jesus says, I'm praying for my disciples because they, have, they love your word. They listen to your word. Your word has taught them who I am. Your word continues to, to lead them through, through their life. And so Jesus continues to pray for them. Into verse 10, he says, all I have is yours and all you have is mine. Listen to this. And glory has come to me through them. So we've got two groups of people. We've got Jesus and his disciples. Jesus prayed, Father, would you be glorified through my obedience to you? And now he's saying, Father, glorify me through the obedience of my followers. He continues, verse 15, my prayer is not, listen to this, my prayer is not that you take them out of the world, but that you protect them from the evil one because they're not of the world even as I am not of it. Father, don't take them out of the world. I just want you to leave them there and protect them. So this summer, I, I mentioned this a few weeks ago, my wife and I were able to get out of town for a, a long vacation without our kids. And we were really excited. Our kids were not excited about it though. They wanted to come with us, but we're like, guys, we're sorry. We've crunched the numbers. We cannot afford to take you with us. But then I read this passage of scripture and I said, I'm going to do what Jesus did. I'm, I'm telling you right now, we're leaving to go away, but I'm just going to pray that God is going to protect you. And it didn't make them feel any better, but we went on the trip anyway. They were with their grandparents. They were fine, right? Now, in this prayer that Jesus is praying, it would seem to make sense that he would pray, Father, I'm getting ready to go away. I'm getting ready to come to you can they come with me? I love them. I don't want them to live in this world. He could have prayed that prayer, but that's not what he had been 
preparing them for for three and a half years. For three and a half years, he had been equipping them for a very specific mission to go into the world, to make disciples, to take the message of the gospel with them all over the world. And so here in John 17, Jesus prays, Father, don't take them out of the world, but I I do pray that you would protect them. And this is important. Jesus tells us, he says, protect them from the evil one. Jesus believed, Jesus knew that there is an enemy in this world. His name is Satan. In John 10, 10, he says, he has come to steal, to kill, and to destroy. He is not equal with God. He is a created being that has rebelled against God, and he will be completely destroyed one day soon. But Jesus knew in the meantime, Father, would you please protect them from the evil one? But he prays for their protection in a very specific way. Look at this in verse 17. Sanctify them by the truth. Your word is truth. Now, sanctify isn't a word that we use often, but it comes from a Greek word, a Greek verb, hagiazo, which is just kind of fun to say when you think about it. Work that into a conversation this week. Hagiazo, it means to make something holy or clean by setting it aside for a specific use. So when Jesus prays, Father, protect them from the evil one, sanctify them by your word, your word is truth. What he is saying is, Father, they trust your word. Will you use your word to clean them so they can stand out in the world in a good way? That's what he would pray for us, I think, that God's word would help us stand out in the world. But he also prayed, sanctify them so they can fulfill this mission that I've given them to do. Not just so they stand out. I want them to live on mission. Look at what he says in verse 18. Sanctify them by the truth. Your word is truth. As you sent me into the world, I'm going to send them into the world. He says, Father, you have sent me here to accomplish a task that only I could accomplish. And now I'm going to send them out with the task. So essentially Jesus says, would you please protect them? Would you please clean them with your word? And would you use them for your purposes? So he begins by praying for himself. Then he turns the corner and he begins to pray for his disciples, but he's not done. He's going to pray for another group of people. Look at verse 20. My prayer is not for them alone, not for my disciples alone. I pray also, listen to this, for those who will believe in me through their message. Now, Jesus prayed this prayer 2,000 years ago, but I want to ask you a question. Who's he talking about? Who's he talking about? I pray for those who will believe in me through their message. If your faith is in Jesus today, At any point in your life, when you put your faith and trust in who he is and what he has done, you can find great comfort in knowing Jesus prayed for you. When he prayed that the father would be exalted through his obedience, when he prayed that he would be exalted through his disciples' obedience, then he turns around and he prays for the rest of us. Anyone, past, present, and future that would come to put their faith in him. Look at what he says. My prayer is not for them alone. I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message, that all of them may be one, Father, just as you are in me and I am in you. May they also be in us. Listen to this. So that the world may believe that you have sent me. Jesus didn't just pray that we would come to faith in him. He prayed that the mission would live on through us. And so I just, I just want you to think about what this looks like in your life. That means that Jesus prayed that we would live our faith out with our kids and our grandkids 
to our neighbors, our coworkers, our friends, our classmates, our future families, even our enemies. And he says, why? He says, so that the world would believe. So the world would know that you have sent me. And then listen to what he prays in verse 22. I have given them the glory that you gave me. This is the third group of people he's prayed for himself, his disciples, and now his future church. And it's the third time that this theme of glory has come up. Father, be glorified in me as I live out my obedience in you. Father, glorify me as my disciples obey me. And Father, let your glory be revealed through my future church. And he wants his glory to be revealed through the church in a very specific way. Verse 22, I've given them the glory that you gave me, that they may be one as we are one, I in them and you in me, so that they may be brought to complete unity. Now, when you think of the world that we live in today, think of the last news broadcast that you watch. Is complete unity one of those things you're like, oh, we're killing it there. Well, Jesus wasn't talking about the world. He's talking about his church. He's talking about his followers living in complete unity. The world is on the verge of complete meltdown, which helps us understand why complete unity is so important in the church. Now, when, when he prays, let me, let, me, let me back up. He did not pray for complete uniformity. Uniformity is when everyone looks the same and does the same thing all the time. The message of the gospel that he was preparing his disciples to carry out was into all the world. The world's a very diverse place. So he didn't pray for uniformity. He prays, Father, no matter who they are, black or white, young or old, married or single, would you help them to have unity in who I am? He says this at the end of verse 23, then the world will know that you sent me and have loved them even as you have loved me. Our unity is the body of Christ, not just here at Genesis, the global body of Christ, the church up the street, the church down the road, the church that you and I grew up in. Our unity is a reflection of Jesus's love to this world. He says, you should be in complete unity around me. I want you to think about this. When the church of Jesus, the people of Jesus are united around the name of Jesus, you know what happens to the mission of Jesus? It's irresistible. Everybody wants to be a part of something like that. And then I want you to hear how Jesus wraps up this prayer with these powerful words. These are the last verses in this prayer, beginning in verse 25. Righteous Father, though the world does not know you, I know you, and they know that you have sent me. I have made you known to them and will continue to make you known in order, listen to this, that the love you have for me may be in them and that I myself may be in them. I want you to pay attention to these words. This is my big takeaway this week for me, that the love you have for me may be in them. I'm, I'm guessing that some of you are like me and with the help of the Holy Spirit, you understand that you're a sinner. I understand I'm a sinner. And with the Holy Spirit's help revealing things to, to me in scripture, I understand that Jesus died on the cross to pay for my sins. I believe that. I believe he rose from the dead to prove that eternal life is a reality. But I have a hard time connecting that with God's love for me. 
Because I know who I am. I know how I am. But as I've read this prayer, you know what I haven't read this week? I haven't read Jesus say, hey, Father, um, I want to pray for these guys. And I, look, I realize they're a mess. <laughs> they're sus. They are so jacked up. They are, they are just, they're terrible. But the longer you get to know them, they grow on you. And, and I think you'll love them if you just give them a chance. That's how I think Jesus would pray about me. That's not how he prays about us. He views his followers, past, present, and future, as a gift from God. And he prays, Father, would you make sure that they understand that the love you have for me is the love that you have for them? It's not a different degree of love. It's the same love. And so if your faith is in Jesus today, I, want you to, I just want you to be encouraged by this the way I've been. Your heavenly Father loves you. He has shown you that he has loved you by giving you his son to die in your place, in my place, in our place. And through faith in his son and that sacrifice, he has sealed us with his Holy Spirit as a deposit saying, I will come and get you. Whether I return or you die and you come to be with me, that's how much I love you. I love you so much that I want you to go into this world as my representative into the world around you. So if you are feeling discouraged and worn out and distracted, you can know, according to the prayer that Jesus prayed in John 17, your heavenly father loves you in the same way that he loved him. And he's given us a mission to take the message of eternal life into this world. Now, in John 17, 3, Jesus goes back and defines eternal life for us. If you go back to the very beginning of this prayer, this is what Jesus says. This is in his prayer. Now, this is eternal life that they know you, the only true God in Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. So Jesus says, I want to be real clear about eternal life. It is not something that you earn because of the good things that you think that you do. He says eternal life by definition, by Jesus's definition, is a gift because of a relationship that you have with him as God's son. And that's not all. Eternal life isn't just eternal life after you die in heaven somewhere. Eternal life begins the moment that you give him your life, the moment that you put your faith and trust in him. In other words, eternal life isn't just unending quantity later. It's abundant quality right now. And we live in a world that's really messed up. We live in a world that is very discouraging. And I think we need to be reminded that eternal life is available to us right now. So if your faith is in Jesus, my prayer is that you're encouraged the way I'm encouraged. And I need you to remind me of this. We need to encourage one another in this. But Jesus's prayer is that his love for us, God's love for us would be revealed, not just so he would save us from our sins, but so we can take that love into the world that we live in. In just a moment, we're gonna sing a song about the mission that we've been given to take the name of Jesus with us everywhere we go. But I want to say a few things before we wrap up. If life has blown up on you, if, if you've followed Jesus for a while, but you're like, I'm just not feeling it, I want to invite you to come down front and pray with somebody today. Admit your weakness to somebody and you watch the Holy Spirit will work. God loves you and he has a plan for you. Or maybe, maybe you've been investigating Jesus for a while. You hear him talk about eternal life and you're like, I just want to know the way you know is by surrendering to him. You put your trust and your faith in his sacrifice on your behalf. In a few weeks, Dan talked about this. We're gonna be celebrating baptisms. It is such a powerful picture of the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus that we get to live out in our life. 
If you've never made a decision to follow Jesus, I want to invite you to do that today. So we're going to stand, we're going to sing, we're going to worship. But don't leave here today without either praying with someone to receive faith in Jesus, praying through whatever you're going to in life, or if you just don't come forward for prayer, know when, you're, when you leave, you are sent out on mission to take the name of Jesus with you. Would you pray with me? Father, I am so thankful that in your wisdom, John would capture this prayer of Jesus for us. Jesus, it's humbling to know that you prayed for us. You didn't pray that your, follower, that your followers would stay safe or play it safe. You prayed that we would live out the mission for you now until you return. Holy Spirit, would you help us to grasp the love of our Heavenly Father today through the sacrifice of Jesus in our place? Would you help the, this prayer of Jesus to ring in our ears in all that we do this week? Let it all be for your glory. Teach us to pray the way that Jesus prayed, but help us to live the way that Jesus lived, to take the love that you have for us and to share it with the world around us. Holy Spirit, I pray for folks tuning in online, for people sitting in these seats. If they have not yet surrendered to you, I pray that they would begin a conversation today for the glory of God. Jesus, we love you, and it's in your name we pray. Amen. Would you stand and worship with us?